you're listening to I Might Be Wrong, a podcast hosted by myself, Rich Needham, and my co-host, Henry Salmon. Welcome. You're listening to I Might Be Wrong. I'm Rich. I've got Henry with me. How are you today? Hello, Rich. Yeah, I'm I'm well. I'm excited and nervous. Um, <laughs> not because there's a European football final coming up, but because it's a podcast with you. And because you're covering a band that you absolutely adore. Yeah, I think it's one of those bands where you can't really get tired of them. And uh, they are welded into my uh, back catalogue of albums. It's the Postal Service with their 2003 album, Give Up. Which is amazing. Yeah, it is amazing. And I think it's probably the first side project we've ever had as a, I might be wrong, chat. I don't think we've ever had a side project before. I think you might be wrong there, but I'm going to go back and check that and I can't be bothered to okay. do it now. So we'll, fi- <laughs> we'll find out after we've done the podcast. Yeah, I, I don't think so. But anyway, let's um, <laughs> let's go with that for now. Nice. Okay, so whose side project is it? So there are two main characters uh, and another two supporting friends. Ben Gibbard, who most people will know from Death Cab for Cutie, who were a huge American... I guess, alternative indie bands, very popular in the States, reasonably mm-hmm. popular here. And his sidekick, Jimmy Tamborello, who is a DJ, and he DJs um, and makes electronic music under the name of Duntel, which is a, a project of his, which he's used for years, and he's, he's worked under that name. Alongside of those two, there's um, Jenny Lewis from Rilo Kylie. If you don't know that band, they're fantastic. <laughs> She's got an amazing cathartic voice, which appears all the way through these songs. And Rilo Kiley are probably a band to check out if you don't know them, if you like your American indie rock. And also Jen Wood, who's a friend of Give It As Off. Cool. Well, I will get you to give me some songs to put on the playlist from each of those so that people can have a listen and check them out. You mentioned the main two, and you said both American rock or indie and electronica now this is more the latter than the former isn't it in terms of sound it's a pure crossover really it's a funny old one it was born out of jimmy's work on a a dintel album called life is full of possibilities Mm -hmm. that album had a few collaborations on and one of the collaborations was a song called the dream of evan and chan this song was one that he asked ben gibbard to help on and they recorded it thought it sounded really good and then decided to to do a little bit more so it was talked about but there's a third party in all of this that really kicked it off mm-hmm. and that third party was uh, a friend of tamborello's called tony kill and he worked at sub pop okay now everyone should know sub pop if you like yep. music because <laughs> sub pop are the i guess the nirvana label though since then they've been a very cool music label to be to be associated with and he approached him and said i've got this funny little electronica side project can we do a little ep or something and he said wait, wait a second what are you doing just make a whole album just record something together and so between the three of them they kind of talked each other up and said Let, let's have a go one of the most interesting things about this when i was doing the research was with sub pop in 2003 they released albums from Ha Ha Heat, Shins, Iron and Wine, and Postal Service. They did all of that 
for about under 50 grand. <laughs> really? So they did these kind of big, very well-known indie projects on a tight budget. And they were basically producing a heap of brilliant music. So that was really when Sub Pop were, were hitting heights. And, and this album wasn't really expected to be a, a huge thing, but it, it definitely became a thing. Right. And there's another interesting quirk with this band and this album because it wasn't recorded in a conventional way, was it? No, it wasn't. These two were in completely different parts of the country. I think one was in Seattle, one was in LA. And they were literally mailing music backwards and forwards. So Jimmy Tamborello would create some some frameworks, some songs, and Gibbard would harmonize over the top of that. Most of them were reasonably completed works, it sounds like, by the time Tamborello had finished them. Mm-hmm. L- listening to Tamborello's interview on Song Exploder, which is worth a look. Oh, yeah. He covers one of the songs, DC Sleeps Tonight, on Song Exploder. And on that, he talks about how they created the song. And he said it was really simple. They used a K2000 sampler. It had all its preset sounds, so he tweaked them a little bit. Mm-hmm. But really, it was one sampler, one Mac. He made it all in a over a period of time, sent it across to Gibbard. And he still says there are about 40 other songs and tracks sitting in a folder that were just there that he created at the same time, which he thinks never will never be used, but they're all part of this little project that he was doing. These guys are one of the quirkiest bands I'm aware of, but that's another quirk. This is the only album. They never did anything else after this. Well, they recorded it and then they toured it. And when they re- originally released it, there wasn't much hype. No one really knew about it. And the fact that Gibbard, Tamborello and Lewis and Wood were all traveling around it sounds like i think i read it into you where they kept on staying in single motel rooms all of them piling into these rooms together because they had no money to do this tour on right but along the tour things started to get bigger and bigger and because it was oh it's jenny lewis from riley carly it's ben gibbard from death cab and the word got out the hype started at that point and off the back of that tour it became huge la radio um big radio station in, in los angeles picked it up then mcdonald's got involved garden state got involved and then there were covers from loads of other artists and since then it's gone nuclear well, i was looking at that because i thought this was on the garden state soundtrack but it turns out it's the iron and wine cover that's on the garden state soundtrack that's correct but the trailer for garden state has the original on uh, so it's got both right that's why my brain thought that then i think it might appear in the credits but they use both and the reason that you've thought that is also the reason why a lot of people think that song is a an iron and wine song and not a postal service song yeah and i do love that cover again we talked about covers last week it's a beautiful reworking rather than an attempt to do the exact same thing. And it, it almost gives it this beautiful organic emotion that the original doesn't have. But both are brilliant songs. I love both of them in their own way. Yeah, it's interesting that you talk about emotion because this album's funny. It's quite cathartic and it creates emotions, but the vocals are very... Uh, there's no real emotion and force in the vocals and the electronica is simple. It's kind of bleep pop in a way. It's kind of, there's not huge depth of arrangements. It sounds like a computer that's generating all the sounds. Yeah, we have repeatedly talked about Kraftwerk being an influence for electronica 
bands that we feature generally these guys are probably the closest to an actual craftwork sound and i think that's partly because they're using a lot like you say the original keyboard sounds synth sounds that are, that are programmed in so they're just playing around with that and they're using looped drums and all that kind of i think it's drum machine as well on this so again it's it's a lot of that electronica sound that's that's very old school original exploratory work that craftwork were doing what i love about this is so that they they creep in these little organic live music pieces so i think it's in clark gable there's a moment where they drop in all these kind of horns and strings and things and they're just there in the background you don't really notice that they're there unless you're really listening to them yeah there's a lot of little interesting snippets and there's depth here which a lot of bands don't really go to the the lengths to do when we were talking about mod rap when we (laughs) were saying their work is so deep and interesting there's so much to it these guys do a similar kind of thing there's a wonderful part in the song exploder episode about tamborello making a mistake with a voice loop and jenny lewis's voice looping alone in the dc sleeps tonight if you'll remember it she kind of mm-hmm. her voice keeps looping alone at the end of that and he got a delay pedal mixed up but thought hang on a second this is a great sound and just lumped it into the song and i love that accidental thing that you get in music particularly when you've got people sort of dicking around in an environment where there's no real time pressure because you're just you're creating your stuff at your end and doing it in your own time and then sending it to someone else to have a play with on their end. The other thing that you mentioned with the vocals, the fact that it's quite unemotional, it really reminds me of the Pet Shop Boys, his delivery. It's got that kind of 80s detached electronica vocal to it. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's something that I really enjoy. And I don't know whether some people would think less of it because of that, but I'm sold. I, I love the style. <laughs> We're recording in the morning, I think it's about 10, 30, 11 right now. And because it's Sunday, I'd had a, a bit of a lie-in and I got up and I was making pancakes this morning and dancing around my kitchen to this. And it made me think this is the kind of dance music in quotes that I think Tom York is inspired by and likes. I don't know whether he's a Postal Service fan. It wouldn't surprise me at all if he is, but it has that weird danciness to it whilst on the surface not sounding like it should yeah well i think that's a great point because if you listen to the start of a lot of these songs it doesn't really sound like dance music it sounds Mm -hmm. quite reflective and somber but he'll put a beat in halfway through i mean if you go into the album and the first song the district sleeps alone tonight that has this wonderful rhythm which just gets your head bobbing and this song for me is I think it's their finest work. I think it's the song that would capture everyone's imagination who's listening to this. And it is the kind of thing you could imagine Tom York kind of nodding his head to. Yeah, because it's a syncopated beat that kicks in. And so it's not what you're expecting. The keys that start this, like you say, are very sombre. But then it's that offbeat thing. It sounds like the beat that kicks in late on in Radiohead's videotape. It sounds like that kind of pattern. I'm nodding my head. I'm not listening to the music, but my head is bouncing because I know what the song sounds like and it yeah. just automatically makes your head just bob. There was, again, in the Song Exploder episode, they talked about inspiration and he was saying there were two pieces of inspiration for this song in particular. One was um, Bjork and her homogenic album, 
He said that was a huge influence on this. And the second, which is completely new to me, is an artist called Lali Puna. Now, she's got quite a big back catalogue. She's German electronic artist, I think Korean kind of family history. But, well, I put on Scary World Theory, the song, and it's also an album of hers. Oh, my goodness. That is basically the Postal Service. It's very, very similar. And you can see how the inspiration comes from it. The album of hers that I've listened to a reasonable amount, which came out a couple of years ago, 2017, is Two Windows. And there's there's a track on there called Two Windows, which I really like. But a lot of that stuff actually sounds like it could have inspired the Postal Service, except it's 15 years too late to have inspired the Postal Service. But yes, it's it's a similar vibe to her work, absolutely. And I, I haven't listened to her stuff as in-depth as I'd like. What I've listened to, I do like. So I've been listening to it quite a bit recently because of this. And my impression is some of it's so good, but because she's got a bigger back catalogue, it almost makes it less impressive. And the way that if she had done this and she created an album with a small body of work and put it out and then disappeared... I think her work is so similar that it would have the potential to do a similar similar thing. But it didn't. These guys got it, and these guys turned into a bit of a cult. It probably helps when you're all playing in separately famous bands, like you say. <laughs> well, that must have helped. And off the back of that, as we've said, we've got covers. Um, Iron and Wine covered Such Great Heights. Frank Turner covered DC Sleeps Tonight. Shins covered We All Become Silhouettes. So there's all sorts of... Big bands noticing this music and thinking, yeah, we'll we'll have a crack at this because it's excellent. Okay, so we've started talking about some of the songs on here. I agree with you. District Sleeps Alone Tonight is absolutely one of the best songs on here. It might be the best song on here. What else should people be listening to? And no, you can't do song by song on this because I know you want to. Um, well, I'm doing the next song, which is Such Great Heights <laughs> because it is well, another one. Yeah. Of- <laughs> it, that's fair. So Such Great Heights has this wonderful high-pitched bleeped introduction which is in stereo and bounces in and out of your ears it's another wonderful example of it sounds like it must have been an effortless song to make but it's again it's brilliant it's got these wonderful layered electronics cathartic vocals over the top uh i I love it it's really high tempo as well and that's something that I really love is it starts by kind of grabbing your attention and then pushes it higher. It doesn't get faster, but it, it layers all these extra things in and just builds to this wonderful peak. One of the things that I absolutely love about this song is you talked about the little beeps as the start, and I absolutely love that. But I love the yeah. really bass synth <laughs> yeah. that kicks in about, what, 10 seconds into the song? It's really deep bass. A thing that I've just thought of is if you took out the instrumental and you just played his voice, it would sound like a very slow, very kind of cathartic, somber song. The song builds with a very fast kind of background, which makes you bob your head. It's it's that juxtaposition that makes this album really cool, I think. Oh, absolutely. And yeah, you're absolutely right about the, the somberness of the voice, but there's other elements in here that make it, a little bit unique so all of the drumming all of the drum machine loops across this album maybe not all but a lot of the songs all of the drums and the percussion is in the mid to high ranges and all of the bassy stuff is brought in by the synths rather than by a bass drum pushing things along that's a that's a lovely point as well because in that sense it's quite a simple arrangement like all the songs mm-hmm. are the same like the, the, all the way through the album and tamborello says this isn't complicated stuff he's not making really 
highly produced clever music with loads and loads of layers and layers and layers of track on track on track and it's the kind of the same thing and he's just done it a few times and it's just a formula that works really well exactly for the reasons that you've said yeah it's brilliant i love the lyrics in here as well there's a thoughtfulness about all of the songs in here and often there's more when you dig below the surface that's classic gibbard if you know death cab for Kitty, you'll know that um they have this huge history of creating songs which bring out so much emotion there's a song called i'll follow you into the dark which is i'm kind of thinking about it now and like i'm getting emotional because <laughs> and again i haven't heard this song for about yeah. two years but that song is just ugh, the lyrics are so wonderful about someone's love for someone else and if they go um how sad it would be just listen to that i mean it's had 200 million listens on spotify and he can create that kind of vibe where lyrically he'll draw you into a song and they will see us waving from such great heights there's something in that which it's quite hard to explain but it's quite a, a wonderful image totally agree with you can we jump to nothing better let's do it because i really love again this is a lyrical thing for me in this track is it starts as what you'd consider to be a lyrical approach that's been done a million times before it's boy boy is desperate to keep girl big romantic gesture telling her how much he loves her and there's nothing better than us being together getting married blah 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 at the point where she's wanting to break up and you know, you normally only ever get the male vocal side of that. And this one, halfway through the song, she comes in and goes, hang on a second, <laughs> this is bullshit. Yes. And yeah. I love that. I love the fact that they brought her voice in to be like, no, you've treated me badly. You've got a charm about you that I really like, but you're bad for me and we're bad for each other and I'm not going to continue to do this. And she gets the last word as well. Exactly. The cherry on the cake for this album are Lewis and Wood's vocals, which just, they kind of gild all the edges and they dance around, they appear from, and as you say, they, they just jump in from time to time. And they're not like backing singers. They're not just going to get to a chorus and do oohs and ahs mm-hmm. over a chorus and then vanish again. They're more involved in that. Or, or Tamborello brings their voices into these songs in a much more interwoven way. It's really well done. Yeah. Where do you want to go next? So I'll, I'll do one more. I mean, I, I could go through through the lot, but um, I'll, I'll finish with Brand New Colony. And the reason I'm finishing with it is because they finish a lot of their sets with this. So it's just got this upbeat energy, which lifts the album at the very end. Mm-hmm. It's not the last song, but just when you kind of, you've had all these, I guess, these, these emotional parts, Brand New Colony kicks in and it's... Uh, you can tell it's a, a live set closer. Yeah. Does it really well. I am going to drag you into one more song, I'm afraid. So I've got an encore for you. Go on then. We Will Become Silhouettes ah. is the cheeriest song about the end of the world that I've ever heard. It's such a... what this. Uh, to be fair, I probably should have called this out as well. <laughs> great song. Great shout. It's optimistic. It's got this kind right. of hopeful major chords. I've got a cupboard with cans of food and... He's talking about his, his store cupboard that he's going to use for the end of the world. But every every note and every key is is positive in this. Mm-hmm. And I love that. It's We've talked about this in the past. I love 
any uh, not any song but i love songs where there's that that contrast of upbeat music and downbeat lyrics or downbeat music and upbeat lyrics so lucky radiohead is the classic example of that for me this in particular i wanted to call out because this it's an anthem for a pandemic (laughs) yes yeah. I wanted to walk through the empty streets and feel something constant under my feet, but all the news reports recommended that I stay indoors. It's a pandemic song, isn't We've it? We've lived this. Yeah. And he's singing all of it with all of this hope. It's great. Yeah, it's just wonderful. There's almost this pointed, fun, tongue-in-cheek thing that he does while singing this. You can almost hear him like chuckling to himself in his head while he's singing the lyrics. And I wonder whether, with this one, he's received a tape from Tamborello with this upbeat song and he's gone well it's almost too sugary if I start putting really happy lyrics over the top of it so why don't I completely flip this into a, a kind of end of the world song yeah and then I guess chorus of and will become silhouettes when our bodies finally go has got this wonderful thing where it's and will become and then choral echoing of that of and will become will become and it's it's again it's this deliberately overtly cheerful whilst talking about people dying thing yeah and stuff like that is why this album has become so well known and if there are people listening to this who just don't know the postal service at all it's an album that that can get its hooks into you quite easily just because of those reasons yeah it's really enjoyable to listen to on a purely surface level and then as we've said there's so much depth in here that it will keep you coming back for more and it doesn't get old i don't believe this album has ever got old for me no i mean i put on the district sleeps alone tonight the other day and you instantly want to turn it up because you know you're dealing with a song which is so well crafted that it just it kind of jumps into your ears and just sits in your head oh Normally we talk about what they've done in the rest of their back catalogue, but they don't have one. So let's jump to seeing them live. Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) I obviously wasn't there for their original tour, which I think was just the States, but they formed again in 2013 for a 10 year anniversary. And this time they did fly over the Atlantic and they performed at the Brixton Academy where we were. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they did two nights, something like that. I think they toured a few places in the country, but we were at Brixton. I have a I have a couple of memories of the evening. The first was standing outside with you, me and Sam, being incredibly excited. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sam and me especially, and I think you were kind of a, more chilled out, but I think I overhyped this in my head, right. which is problem number one, <laughs> which is where the, the, the luster started to lose itself when they started playing they opened with dc sleeps alone which you know if you're putting your best song on up front because they were trying to play the album through Mm -hmm. i I don't know a crowd that isn't totally warmed up i think you should save songs like that till the end even if you want to do an anniversary gig and so i was a bit pissed off that they played that first but the the thing that really got me was that the the sound was quiet and whenever I've seen an electronic band play, the band has made their live performance more in the kind of, there's more kind of audible and more, it's got extras in. Like if you go and see the Chemical Brothers yeah, playing through a, a speaker off a digital recording, you get this kind of vibe. Seeing the Chemical Brothers live, your, your brain explodes because it's absolutely incredible. And these guys, I was kind of expecting a step up. And it kind of wasn't. It was almost as if it was just the album, yeah. which 
I knew. So for me, I was like, is that it? <laughs> Which I, sh- I probably shouldn't have gone in with that expectation. But halfway through this gig, I was like, is this all they've got? Which was, I don't know. It was a bit of a letdown. Okay, so this was the really fascinating thing from my perspective. So I have listened to this album a bunch. I'm a f- big fan of Postal Service, but I am nowhere near the level of fandom that you and Sam are at. So like you say, I came in with an expectation of I'm really excited about seeing this because this might be the last time we'll ever get the chance to, and it looks like that's probably true. But I wasn't excited to the level... I mean, you two were like kids who'd eaten all the candy the night before Christmas <laughs> levels of yeah. excited. And I was like, yeah, yeah, this is going to be great. I'm really looking forward to it. And I came out being like, holy crap, that was really great. I couldn't believe it when I looked at the looks on your faces. You were like, yeah, it was yeah. it was okay, I guess. And I yeah. guess it's like you say, it's that expectation prior to the gig where I didn't have quite the same level of oh my God, this is one of the greatest albums that I've ever listened to in my entire life. I went in going, yeah, these these guys are awesome and I love them, but I didn't have that. They did rescue it a little bit with the encore. So in the encore, they played The Dream of Evan and Chan, which isn't on the album, Mm -hmm. but it was the song that kicked this whole thing off. And that worked really well. That's a really good song. And it's got some extra kind of scuzzy beats in and it's a little bit more dirty than, than this album. And and obviously they finished with Brand New Colony, which was again upbeat. So they redeemed themselves a little bit at the end. But yeah, I you know, I was I left a little bit. Mm. We didn't really talk about at the start of this podcast where you found them. So did you discover this album when it came out? I don't know where I bumped into this. Okay. It it just I don't <laughs> I have no idea. It's always seemed like it's been in your back catalogue of music. Yeah, it has. And I can't believe it's another Garden State one, but maybe it is. I think it might have been before that, but I just don't know. I think that's where I picked it up. And I'm not sure I knew that you liked the Postal Service for a while. I don't think I realised that you were a Postal Service fan until you and I and Sam started talking about it well after we were living in London. I'm similar. I don't really remember where I came across them. And I suspect it as either, you know, xfm or bbc six music or something like that we should probably just go right back to the start and mention their name because mm. the, the postal yes. service um is an interesting name and they got in trouble well a little bit of trouble um they got a cease and desist from the u.s postal service yes. who basically said you can't call yourself the postal service and this one was resolved in a really wonderful way they, they negotiated and gibbard and tamborello said well if you want to use the music to promote the postal service, just crack on because this is a kind of side project. So, so you can do it. And some bright spark who worked for the for the US Postal Service said, "Well, all right, we'll do it, but you come along and um, perform at our executive conference, and then we'll be all square." <laughs> so, so these guys got the postal service to perform at the US Postal Service's big get together, I guess, in two thousand and three, and um, and all was all was happy, and they kept their name, which I think is a lovely story. Yeah, I've read some story that the US Postal Service were really apologetic about the cease and desist. They were like, we're really sorry, but we have to enforce our trademark. Otherwise, we could lose the trademark. So we're really sorry, but we need to do this. And so they used the name trademarked to the US Postal Service, but under license almost. It's just some really weird arrangement. 
that story actually just gives me so much hope that you read so much about the horrible snake-like litigious nature of the states and just everything that goes with it is awful and you read so many of these nasty stories and then you see these two totally different entities going yeah let's just work together on this it's so much better yeah makes me happy okay so in terms of influences obviously you're not nearly as big an electronic music fan as i am is this something that drove some of that um not really i I don't think this this steered me too far down the electronic path it actually got me into death cab okay because i didn't know that ben gibbon was part of death cab i didn't really know much about death cab for kitty at the time so then i went into their back catalog and and that's definitely worth listening to if you're interested in slightly more mainstream in the music nice yeah that's that's a great random way of getting into death cab <laughs> yeah but boomerang that way did, did you i guess you probably didn't have much influence on this one they're just part of my electronic music thing that i was enjoying at the time they came out as i was sort of in full flow of moving more into electronica from indie and they, they were one of those bands for me and i love them for it but yeah i wouldn't say they're one of the bands that got me into electronic or anything like that but yeah so yeah that's um that's it that's my little salute to the postal service and yeah it, it's a standalone album everyone should file this away and have a copy somewhere that they can draw on in in times of need because it's a it's a great little piece of work yeah all right cheers for bringing this one along good one cool thanks buddy cheers mate Thank you for listening to another episode of I Might Be Wrong. 